Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Yeah, good evening and welcome to the Big Red Bench on this beautiful, sunny Sunday evening. It's Colm O'Sullivan with you until 7 o'clock on a busy Sunday of sport. Reaction to come from all the weekend's GAA. It's just finished down in Porky Cueve and it is Limerick victorious. A fantastic second half from Limerick against Tipperary to win the Munster final in the park. We're also looking ahead to the Lions. First test against South Africa with Tomás O'Leary. That game is next Saturday. We have reaction to Cove Ramblers win over Cabinteen last night we'll hear from manager Stuart Ashton and we're just uh, less than a week out from the start of the Olympics we'll be previewing the Olympic Games in Tokyo as well all that to come between now and 7 o'clock here on the Big Red Bench Yeah, good evening and welcome to the Big Red Bench. It is Colm O'Sullivan with you until 7 o'clock this evening. What a day, lads. What a weekend weather-wise. It's absolutely beautiful out there. It's absolutely scorching. And if you were around the city today, you'll have seen people around enjoying the sunshine in Limerick jerseys and Tipperary jerseys. There were a lot of fans down around the docks and heading down for Porky Cueve this afternoon for the Munster Hurling Final. It was great to have it in Porky Cueve and great to see supporters around and supporters back at the game if only in limited numbers today as well and uh, what a game it was it looked good for Tipperary they had a 10 point lead at half time in that game Tipperary but uh, the full time score there in the park after a sensational second half from Limerick Limerick 2-29 Tipperary 3-21 the final score in today's Munster hurling final down in Porky Cueve. We will hopefully get you a report and possibly some reaction to that game uh, a little bit later on in this show, but plenty of other Gaelic games on around the place today as well around the country today. Uh, Tyrone have beaten Donegal on a scoreline of uh, 23 points to 114 in their Ulster Senior Football Championship semi-final at Brewster Park today. Elsewhere, Kildare have beaten Westmeath 214 to 18 points in their Leinster semi-final at Croke Park this afternoon. Uh, Dublin currently up against Meath in their last four tie and it's uh, latest score there 213 to 111 in favour of Dublin Derry beating Kerry by a single point to win the 2020 All-Ireland Minor Football Championship final earlier as well uh, 212 to 114 was the final score at Bordenamona O'Connor Park in Camogie good uh, win for Cork today Cork have beaten Dublin 219 to 12 points in the, the Group 2 All-Ireland Camogie Championship game at Porky Ring earlier on today in blistering heat while Tipperary um, had a win over Offaly as well in golf and uh, what a day in the golf as well uh, we were hoping for a bit better from Rory McIlroy and some of the Irish today I think but uh, just to bring you up to date with the latest at the Open at Royal St. George's uh, over in the UK it's been a great Open Championship and played in even hotter weather over there uh, today than they have here um, I think it's like 32 degrees at Royal St. George's today and it's the final day of the Open there and Colin Morikawa is the man to catch he's now two shots clear of the chasing pack on 15 under par Shane Lowry is best of the Irish there he's finished up uh, as best of the Irish on 6 under par which leaves him in a tie for 12th Rory McIlroy finishing up with uh, I suppose uh, around he'll be disappointed in on a weekend he'll be disappointed in overall finishing up level par after carding a 1 over par round of 71 today 
while Padraig Harrington finished up on four over. And uh, just to bring you up to date on the latest scores in the League of Ireland as well, um, a couple of games on in the SSE Airtricity League Premier Division um, this afternoon. And the latest scores we have for you there, uh, once we get them here and out for you, are um, it is Bowes up against Longford. And um, it, it was, uh, Bowes have got an equaliser there. It's actually one all there now in that game, approaching full time between Bowes and Longford. And Sligo leading Waterford 1 0 away from home as well. And uh, that win would see Sligo move back to the top of the table, which would be uh, great. And. Um, uh, we're having a latest score there one all yeah that's a full time there in the Bowes and Longford game there as well and uh, Sligo actually 1-0 down to Waterford um, away from home and uh, that game approaching full time there um, so that would be a disappointing win for Sligo and they'll still trail St. Pat's and Shamrock Rovers at the top of the League of Ireland table now as I said we will hopefully have reaction for you from uh, some of those GA games in just a few minutes time uh, full time down in Porky Cueve after that Munster hurling final but first of all we're going to turn our attentions to rugby and uh, the Lions over in South Africa the British and Irish Lions and they're gearing up for their first test after their series of warm up games and their their uh, first test against South Africa is a 5 o'clock kickoff next Saturday evening and the final warm up game was last night or yesterday evening and the Lions with a, a good win in that game by quite a scoreline as well the Lions 49 the Stormers 3 in their final warm up game last night ahead of the first test against South Africa next weekend and to chat about that now and to look ahead to to the first test and kind of see how the Lions are getting on. We're joined by Munster and Ireland legend Tomás O'Leary. Tomás, how are you? I'm fantastic. Colum, yourself enjoying the sun? I am enjoying the sun. It's a, it's a beautiful weekend and uh, nearly as hot as South Africa, I'd say, Tomás. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I'm certainly glad I'm up this part of the world at the moment anyway. <laughs> absolutely. Um, with things going on down there with the pandemic and obviously they're in their winter as well. So, um, yeah, we're happy to be here. Absolutely, and uh, you mentioned the pandemic and so on. Um, South Africa, it's it's kind of blighted the Lions tour so far, really, hasn't it? COVID cases and so on. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, I suppose they're uh, in the midst of a, another wave um, down in South Africa, and obviously, uh, look in terms of the vaccine rollout, they're having uh, serious difficulties. So yeah, look, it's it's making life difficult, and look, it's fantastic to see crowds at the GA games here and, and crowds at the Euros over the last few weeks. Um, and you can even see the impact that has on the, the game itself, you know, the lack of atmosphere. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't lend um, for, for a spectacle, you know, and, and kind of impacts on the players too. You know, you, when you're on the pitch, you get a bit of a buzz and you kind of get energy from the crowd too. And if there's a big hit or if there's a good phase of play, um, so that kind of impact and that influence that the crowd can have is, is sadly missing. So, yeah, it's a shame for the Lions tour, but look, at least hopefully it looks like we're going to get um, a good test series anyway. When we've seen the crowds coming back at the Euros and at the GA games and stuff this weekend, Tomás, I mean, it actually underlines how important the, the crowd and the atmosphere is to a sporting event. And it's something we've really missed over, over the last while, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's massive. I know even, you know, going through Cork City there today and the, the Limerick and Tip jerseys around and the Great, buzz and, you know, having drinks before the match, you, you know, you really miss that. And even like for the, the Munster final today, you'll see that. You know the buzz that the you know the few thousand yeah. are in, that in, inside in Parky Cueve that they'll have and the impact they'll have, um, and sport needs that. You know that's what it's all about. It's all about you know the fans and and the, the communities having an impact and you know supporting their team. So you know sadly that's not the case for the Lions, but you know hopefully you know the 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 games will will start opening up here for for GA and rugby and we can get more people at the games. 
Absolutely. And as we mentioned, um, a win for the Lions as expected in their final warm up game yesterday to Moss, 49 3. And it's a game that they've expected to win, obviously, but a good scoreline all the same. Yeah, look, um, I guess, the, as you say, look, it's a game they're expected to win. There's a big discrepancy, you know, in, in ability and level. You know, when, you know, anybody who's, who's near international standard is, is going to be training with, with South Africa at the moment. And, uh, you know, obviously they, they put out a very, very strong. A team, uh, we had a first victory over the lines in, in, in the, you know, in the warm up games, as you said. So they're, um, trying to get back in. You know, they haven't had many games since the World Cup. But, um, yeah, look, yesterday's game was, I suppose, job done. Um, and I suppose the last few kind of test match, uh, places were probably up for grabs. In particular, I suppose Luke Crown Dickey probably cemented his place in the front row. Um, and the back three, um, Duane van der Marve was very good. So he'd put up his hand. Um, and aside from that, uh, it's kind of going to be interesting to see what kind of selections that Gatlin comes up with. Um, you know, I think obviously the physicality that the Lions um, or that the South African team will 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 have will will kind of dictate. Um, I think his selection and Gatland obviously has always favoured a physical side. So I think he'll probably go towards kind of trusted uh, warriors like the likes of Falato at number eight. Even though I think Jack Conan has really put his hand up again. Um, you know, very, yeah. uh, very kind of uh, intelligent player with huge athletic ability. And you see that in the try that he scored the last day as well. So um, certainly I think it's going to be very interesting, the selections that, that Gatlin uh, comes up with. Uh, I was watching Warren Gatlin being interviewed late last night and um, he's he seems to be himself almost kind of a little bit uncertain of who he'll select for the, the starting 15 and for the for the 23 in general. I mean, he's a lot to pick from, doesn't he, Samos? Yeah, look, the, obviously the standard of players across the board is, is very impressive and the fact that they haven't been tested yet um, doesn't give Gatlin much to go on. Um, so, you know, it, the, the games aren't doing the, him any favours, they aren't doing the players any favours because you're expected to go and beat the, the opposition that are put in front of you midweek uh, or at the weekend in this case. Um, so, like, it's difficult. Um, probably bigger will end up at, at 10. I think Farrell hasn't been that impressive, you know, in the Six Nations and hasn't exactly transferred that into the into store. Marcus Smith, I think, obviously, while he showed glimpses, I don't think they're going to catapult him straight into a test side. Um, I think Ken Shaw could see him back. Um, I think his physicality will probably get him the nod. Uh, obviously, Dale Ande, uh, his monster, uh, I suppose, counterpart, will will be at 12 for South Africa. So I think uh, hopefully we'll see uh, Henshaw get the nod at, at, um, at 12. So yeah, look, it's going to be a physical team that Gatlin I think invariably picks just to try and counteract the you know the, the sheer size of the South African mm. team. Um, looking at the Irish guys, then Tomas, uh, you mentioned um, Jack Conan putting his hand up in yesterday's game a little while ago. Um, the likes of Tyg Byrne is in with the shout certainly. Um, Tyg Furlong, you got Conor Murray there, obviously. Who, who do you expect from the Irish contingent to be involved? You'd expect uh, Murray, obviously, being the, the the tour captain. Although I don't know what the situation is that with Alan Wynne Jones back. Um, you'd expect Murray to to start at nine, certainly. I, I think, uh, like I just said, I think Henshaw will get the nod at twelve. Um, I think um, Ty Byrne probably at six, just for mm. you know, he's he's been very very good. Um, you know, in terms of his open play uh, and his work at the breakdown is always fantastic too. So hopefully he get the nod at six. But I'm not sure whether. Um, whether um, Gatlin might go for, a, I suppose, a more physically abrasive player um, in, in the back row to go at six. So that's kind of a difficult one to, to call. Like I said, at number eight, I think Falata will just get the call because he's tried and trusted for 
for Gatland with Wales and obviously previous lines towards, but I think Cornwall would be unlucky to, to lose out. Um, and then, of course, you love Tyke Furlong. Will I think he's guaranteed to, to, to you know to be the to prop up the, mm. the scrum at tight head. Um, and aside from that, it's, it's probably hard to see um, any other Irish player um, kind of getting a nod um, in, the, in the match day twenty three. But yeah, he might get. Get, get a bench place but um, I think they might go for a more versatile player uh, on the bench Looking at the opposition then South Africa we know how strong South Africa are to Moss it's going to be a tough tough game in, in the first game on Saturday for the Lions isn't it? Absolutely um, and look they, they, they've never kind of uh, been apologetic for the style of play that they have um, you know they breed big big men um, down there and um, look they, they play to their strengths and you know, they have a fantastic uh, number nine in, in Flaster Kirk that kind of controls the tempo of the game and he's an excellent kicking game as well. Um, and obviously, you know, the likes of Colby there in the wing, you can see the, the ability that he has. So they've got that mix, that blend of, uh, I suppose, skill to, to, to utilise the power and, and the strength that they have and uh, the, some lethal finishers in the back three. So, yeah, look, they're going to pose, a, a, I suppose, a massive uh, challenge for this Lions, Lions team. And I suppose the fact that the Lions team has had so so little in terms of opposition to, to test themselves against and so little time to gel you'd have to probably put tip the balance in the favour of the South Africans obviously they're kind of tried and trusted and they've played together now for the last four or five years as a squad so um, yeah you'd probably favour the, the, the I suppose their tip the balance towards a uh, uh, South African victory unfortunately Obviously uh, there's a few games there's the three tests um, how, how many if you had to pick one Tomas how many of the, those do you think the Lions might win? Say we'll end up probably two one um, to to South Africa. So look, you'd expect um, the Lions to to nick one at, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I bet I think it's very even. Um, look, like I said, um, South Africans prior to their their A game against the Lions last week only had one one game since the one really competitive game since the World Cup. So you know they're limited in terms of their preparation too. But I just feel that I suppose the the uh, I suppose the uh, familiarity they have with each other and uh, I suppose the game plan that they're so used to to be able to revert um, more comfortably to, to tight than the, the Lions will I think so that's why I'll probably favour um, them getting the nod in the 2-1 victory in the, in the test series Great stuff we're looking forward to it next weekend uh, the first test for the Lions against uh, the Springboks is next Saturday at 5 o'clock and we'll keep you up to date on it here on Cork's Red FM as well listen to Moss thanks a million for chatting rugby with us as always and get out there and enjoy the sunshine for yourself Thanks one Colm likewise Good man, Tomas. All right, uh, that is, as we said, next Saturday, 5 o'clock for the Lions against um, South Africa and the first test over in South Africa. And uh, that's going to be a great weekend of sport next weekend with the Lions. The Olympics is starting on Friday as well, and we will have an Olympics preview for you um, later on in the show, closer to 7 o'clock. We will be hearing from some Cork uh, athletes who are going over to the Olympics um, or are over there now and will be competing in the Olympics in Tokyo. Um, a year later than they should have been, it's the 2020 Olympics, but it's 2021, just like Euro 2020 was in 2021. Uh, great weekend at the golf, uh, Royal St. George's this weekend, as well as we mentioned, Colin Marikawa is now the man to catch there, looking at the leaderboard. He is on the 16th hole, he is 15 under after 16 holes there now, and uh, Jordan Spieth, two shots behind him after 17 holes on 13 under, John Ram is 11 under, he's finished his round, and Louis Oosthuizen, uh, after 16, is 11 under, Louis Oosthuizen 
Ferguson had led for a lot of the weekend but uh, Marikawa is now four shots ahead of him and uh, he's a two shot lead over Jordan Spieth there as well but it was um, disappointing I suppose this weekend really for um, Shane Lowry in the golf and he might have hoped to do better as he defended his um, open title he was hoping to win back to back opens but uh, he says he was proud of what he achieved regardless I hit some good putts and I kind of was leaving myself a little bit too far away it's hard to get close to some of these flags and it's hard to hold 30 footers in these greens because they're they're quite slow and it's it's hard to get the ball rolling at the hole but um all in all, it's. I think it's been a great week, um, another good performance in a big tournament. So I'm, I'm happy with myself and I'm proud of myself. Yeah. And so he should be, even if he didn't manage to defend the Open title. Here's more from Shane Lowry now. I suppose I was a bit edgy the first day, but you know they kind of get that the the week of big tournaments anyway. But I, I don't think, um, I don't think it was a whole lot different from normal, uh, you know, normal big tournament, normal majors. Um, I really enjoyed the whole week. It was an amazing experience. You know, walking down the last hole today was, um, you know, one of the coolest things you, you'll ever get to do, and I got to do it. So it's, uh, you know, like I said, I think it's been a great week. Um, I obviously I would have liked to finish a little bit better, but it's, um, you know, it's a pretty nice result in in a big tournament and another good performance. I feel like, you know, I've played four majors obviously this year and I feel like three out of four of them I've had really really good performances and played some of my best golf so um, if that's not a step in the right direction I don't know what is I'm, I'm pretty happy with you know my year in the big events Seems quite happy regardless of uh, not being in the running to defend his Open title uh, this weekend. As we said, Colin Marikawa uh, of the United States is leading there now. He is 15 under after 16 holes, two shots ahead of Jordan Spieth, who is in second there after 17. So we'll keep you up to date uh, as it goes into the closing stages of the Open Golf at Royal St. George's. But right now, I want to go back to uh, Porky Cueve because it was great down at Porky Cueve today in the sunshine. What a cracker of a game for the Munster hurling final and it was Limerick and Tipperary doing battle and lots of Limerick and Tip jerseys all over Cork today and lots of uh, Limerick and Tip fans around Porky Cueve area today as well which was great in the sunshine and what a second half from Limerick I mean Tip probably thought they had it in the bag uh, with a 10 point lead at half time and it finished up Limerick 2.29 Tipperary 3.21 the final score down there in Porky Cueve today we'll go there now for a full time report from Dahi Bolands full time here in Porky Cueve in the Munster hurling final and Limerick have won the Munster Cup for the third time in a row. The first team to do so since 1989. A dominant second half performance from the Treaty Men scoring 219 goals from Seamus Flanagan and Kyle Hayes. Limerick now advanced to the semi-finals of the All-Ireland Championship. Full time at Parky Queen in the Munster final. Limerick 229 Tipperary 3 Dahi Boland there for us at Porky Cueve today for the Munster Hurling final and we might hopefully have more reaction uh, to that game before the end of the show if it comes in on time. Right now though we're going to have some reaction to one of last night's games and Kilkenny are the 2021 Leinster Senior Hurling Championship champions after they beat Dublin on a scoreline uh, last night um, in Crow Park of 125 to 19 points Kilkenny manager Brian Cody uh, was pretty happy after their 9 point win over Dublin um, in that game last night he's been speaking about that Brian Cody you're after complaining to me that your horse had not to keep you long so I'm looking we'll go straight to the point um, another Leinster title and uh, even though you're wearing a mask I can tell you're pretty happy 
Yeah, I know for sure. You know, obviously, um, we came up. We wanted to win the Leinster final because it's the Leinster final, and also it's going to get us into the other in semi final. So it's happened for us on both counts. Um, huge battle out there against Dublin, and you know we're very very happy. The last time I spoke to you here was um, after your last defeat here in Crow Park in the depths of winter, and um, it seemed like a horrible evening for you. Why wouldn't it be personally and professionally? But to bounce back the way you have, and it's really funny because the description I've heard is everyone says Kilkenny flying, hurling under the radar. But sure, you don't mind that. You've raised your eyebrows. You're you're happy enough to be under the radar. Actually, look, I don't even sure where the radar is. To be honest, you know, I mean, I'm happy to be either under or over as long as we can continue to be competitive, and that's what we're, we're trying to be at all times. And you know, we were the last day, and we were today, and we're now we have won the Leinster final, but now obviously it gets us to an Ireland semi final, which we were in last year as well, and we didn't win. So we're, we're obviously going to try and if at all possible do it this year you know the accusation is going to be thrown at you now that this was nearly a softer Leinster final because of Dublin's issues with them um, their their panellists to no fault of their own between Covid and also an injury of course I can see your eyebrows going up again saying you can only play what's in front of you yeah yeah look but first of all it was very very unfortunate for Dublin um, they, they lost some very good players there's no doubt about that but they had some very very good replacements for them you know I mean their panel is very very strong and you know that unfortunate situation potentially is there for every team right now you know and hopefully it's not going to be become kind of a something that's happened on a regular basis finally uh, you just mentioned the radar there and you don't care whether you're over or under it or wherever you are but your own radar when you look at your team what do you know about them this evening that perhaps you didn't know those few months ago when you were defeating that semi-final yeah, well, look at me. We've two two really serious championship matches behind us now, and we had to be, we had to have great spirit and drive and and, and commitment to, to to win the last day and also to win t- to win tonight as well. And we've done that, and it's it's great for a, a lot of young players there, you know. And it's a question now of trying to build on it again. That is uh, Brian Cody there speaking after Kilkenny's win um, over Dublin last night in the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship. Um, but a better look for Dublin in the football today. Um, final score in there now from the uh, football. It finished up Dublin 2-16, Meath 1-13. So Dublin are through to another Leinster final, but they were pushed all the way by Gutsy Meath this afternoon who produced a brilliant second half fight back, but um, it looked like it was going to be another one-sided route really at halftime in that game as well. But uh, the, the, the Meath kind of battled back, but the Dubs did hang on for the win uh, to win 2-16 to 1-13 in that game up in Croke Park this afternoon as well. Uh, elsewhere then today as well in the football yeah, and no, um, a good win for uh, Kildare and we're going to hear now from uh, Kildare boss Jack O'Connor after their win over Westmeath in the Leinster Senior Football Championship final today as well we were hanging on a bit near the end but overall just delighted the first goal after half time that gave you breathing space the second one would have given you a cushion but it didn't seem to last long did it? it lasted long enough <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'd say today can you talk to us about Daniel Flynn's performance did you get enough out of him today? Two massive moments. Um, we don't know how much he has liked us, you know. Uh, that man has, limit, has, has unlimited potential. I was delighted with him today. In fact, I thought we got more out of him than I was expecting because he has very little football played. In fact, since I came up two years ago, he's, he, hasn't, he hasn't played two games in a row, if you know what I mean, because he's been plagued with injuries. So, but he's trained very well the last month. And... Um, He's in a good place physically and mentally and um, he, he, he enjoyed himself out there. Have a player like that, Jack, that can kind of turn it on and kind of create those big moments as huge as that because they were the, the two goals were the two moments that changed the game really. Absolutely, yeah. 
you know, he's an elite athlete with, with elite speed and, and um, no better pitch than Crow Park to show that, you know. The Kevin Feely injury, does it look like a bad one his knee, is yeah. it? Is it ACL potentially? Or? I should look, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a doctor or a physio, but it certainly doesn't look good. So He's not a doctor, he's not a physio, but he is a winning manager today. Kildare manager Jack O'Connor after the win over Westmeath today in the Leinster uh, Senior Football Championship semi-final. So it will be um, a, a Dublin and uh, Kildare final now in that after Dublin beat Meath and uh, Kildare beat Westmeath today. Um, uh, we're going to turn our attentions away from Gaelic Games now for a little while. We will return to GAA again later on in the show. We're going to talk uh, about Cove Ramblers now because we were talking Cork City on the show yesterday and it wasn't a great weekend for Cork City. We had a, a good discussion with Stephen Beattie on the show yesterday um, about Cork City's nil-nil draw with Wexford on Friday night. Cove Ramblers, though, had better luck last night. They got a late, late winner um, and it's the win for them with a 1-0 victory over Cabin Teeley down in St. Coleman's Park and it actually puts uh, Cove Ramblers back above Cork City in the table now as well and they'll be hoping I think is it, is it seven points I think they're off the playoffs now um, they'll be hoping that a, a couple of wins they could put a, get together a little run and maybe make the playoffs still um, and we're going to hear now from Cove Ramblers boss Stuart Ashton who was very happy with last night's victory Yeah you know it was it was one of those games as you say we, we knew what to expect we knew the way that uh, Cabo play um, and we had to be on, on the ball for that and as you say um, you felt that one would win the game but on the overall um, the overall picture of the game I think we could have had three or four at least mm. um, we had opportunities um, again it's about fellas believing we put some great crosses in there keepers made a fine save there for Danny when he was through there um, and it's fallen to the fella so from that point of view um, obviously they had I think two one clear cut chance at the end um, but I think the bit of luck was in our favour there but overall I think you know as you say it was always always in it there it was tense and um, up until us scoring a late goal and then you know they're just through caution to the wind from there on yeah you know as you said you know when when you see those flashing across the goal and you see you know when it needed a bit of composure as you said there for those guys then a set piece where we've headed it over the bar where we should have hit the target you're thinking to yourself then oh no here we go again and as you said already you, you know the threat that they have from set pieces and long balls and second second phase of play so to speak that you know is it going to be one of those nights again but we we ground it out tonight um, defending wise I thought the lads were brilliant at the back there um, and from there on we, we kept to our game plan where we got it up to our um, front men and I think you said that alright Danny was man of the match tonight like and uh, thoroughly deserved he was a nuisance for them all day and, and, and that's what it was tonight it was it was the one where we had to come out of here tonight with something for the confidence of the whole squad where that we move forward into the second half of the season you know we've got a cup game next week and then we back to the league again so we, we move on from there and it's just a case of now hopefully that, that one is the, the corner's turn so to speak and we can if, and as I keep saying all along uh, you know once we play our football we're, we're not a bad side we've got to keep believing in that hopefully now you know with the chances we've created tonight that if we can get someone on the end of them a bit more often 
then we can get a few more goals and you know that's what we've got to start believing in. We ain't giving up on that yet. We still believe that we can get that spot. You know, as as we keep saying, you know, to, to the journalists every week and managers on, on different teams around the country we're saying the same. It's any team can beat any team at the minute at this one, you know, obviously shells have, have gone away and made a great run of it there. But but then from that point of view, as we say, any team any team can beat one another. And tonight, you know, we got we got what we thought was our rewards. Yeah, obviously. I think for the last few years we've had Dundalk like so the favourites at the time. So for us to get someone different is a is a new challenge there. And obviously for the club as a whole, obviously every club wants to go on a little run in the cup. You know, it gives the lads a boost. You know, and uh, hopefully we can do that as well. Yeah, with half a season left, just under now. So you know, there's plenty of points to play for, plenty of games to play, and we believe that we can still end up in those playoff spots. Yeah, that is Cove Ramblers boss Stuart Ashton uh, speaking after their win in St. Coleman's Park last night. Uh, they beat Cabantili 1-0 last night. Uh, Connor Droynen with a late-late goal there for uh, Cove Ramblers in the 87th minute uh, to seal the win for Ramblers and get them an important three points in the SSE Airtricity League First Division. It puts them above Cork City in the table and puts them back in the playoff hunt. But as uh, Stewie mentioned there, it is a break from league action for Cove Ramblers next weekend. They're in Cup action and of course Cork City are in FAI Cup action next weekend as well it's next Sunday is the game against Sligo for Cork City and uh, their opponents Sligo Rovers next week have been beaten today they were beaten 1-0 by Waterford uh, the final score down in the RSC in Waterford there so uh, maybe fingers crossed Cork City are going to play Sligo at just the right time because uh, that is a second defeat in a row for Sligo after they were knocked out of Europe during the week as well by Icelandic opposition so uh, Cork City and Sligo next week could City um, get a a surprise win against Sligo who overall have been having a very very good season otherwise and uh, the other game in the SSE Airtricity League Premier Division this evening was Bowes and Longford Bowes themselves who had a great win also against Icelandic opposition at the Viva Stadium during the week 3-0 against Starnan but they have drawn today in the League of Ireland Bowes won Longford won the final score there up in Daly Mount Park. Um, more GAA to come for you on the Munster Hurling final day. We'd have some local Gaelic games coming up for you as well. And we're also looking ahead to the start of the 2020 Olympics. But it is, of course, 2021. But the Tokyo Olympics get underway this Friday. So we'll preview the Olympics, all that, and plenty more to come here on the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM between now and 7 pm. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM Yeah, it's Cullum on the Big Red Bench until 7 o'clock here on Cork's Red FM as we wrap up a busy, busy weekend of sport um, on a day when Limerick have been victorious in the Munster Hurling Final a great win and a real uh, powerful wonderful second half comeback from Limerick for the full time score there in Parky Cueve this afternoon Limerick 229 Tipperary 3 21 um, and we heard uh, the, the report from Porky Cueve there a little while ago of that great comeback from Limerick in the second half and a uh, great atmosphere down there in the, in the sunshine as well a beautiful day for it and great to have uh, lots of Limerick and Tip fans milling around Cork City and in Porky Cueve today as well in their Limerick and Tip jerseys um, now we're going to turn our attentions to local Gaelic games and Carberry face Muskery this coming Tuesday in the second round of the Premier Senior Football Championships Colleges and divisional section. Aidan has been speaking with both managers ahead of that clash, and first of all, he has been speaking to Muskery manager Jer McCarthy. 
I'm joined on the line by Muscari Football Manager Ger McCarthy. Ger, thanks very much for uh, taking time out to speak with us. No problem, Aidan. Thank you. You play Carberry on Tuesday. Um, have preparations been a bit more ideal this year compared to last year? Uh, certainly better. Um, we probably have a management people together with a month. Um, a good hard-working management team and they've pulled out all the stops to get uh, to get players out. We played a challenge game last Thursday night. Uh, against one of the city senior clubs and you know we're really really happy with that performance I imagine it takes a lot of coordination uh, with getting players together with, with um, divisional sides um, how's that been so far this year? I think the, the, the biggest thing with a divisional, a divisional side is it's all about balance you know you have to you have to balance out the club football um, and we'll say the various codes that players are playing so you know it's all about it's all about balance look you know um, unfortunately we were meant, we were done playing with Kelly last Tuesday night um, and we were all geared for that um, but look we left we left the, the players go back to their clubs um, and leave them train away I think they were better off maybe training with their clubs and you know maybe uh, particularly after our challenge game um, and how well they performed you know maybe they'd have an appetite for, for, for the next challenge now against, against Carberry and looking at Carberry um, how do you see the game going on Tuesday night? Very difficult to know Aidan um, you know I suppose both teams might have a huge amount done um, uh, but certainly both you'd, you'd have to expect both teams will have, will have footballers um, that are well capable of playing at that level. Um, the two divisions that are probably very, very big in size and uh, and a large number of clubs. Um, so I suppose it's all about it's all about who who each uh, team can get out on the night, what players they can get out. Um, and for us, look, hopefully with club action during the weekend, um, hopefully you know the majority of our players will will, will pursue that and will be available for Tuesday night. But where you know huge challenge against Carberry. Um, on, on, on Tuesday night well George thanks very much for taking time out and uh, best of luck with the game thanks Aidan alright that is Aidan speaking to Muskery manager Jeremy McCarthy uh, head of that game Muskery and Carberry on uh, Tuesday night uh, we're now going to hear from Carberry boss Tim Buckley also speaking to Aidan joining me on the line is Carberry football manager Tim Buckley Tim thanks for joining me uh, good evening Aidan uh, I suppose it's, it's been a more ideal run in this year compared to last year heading into the first round of championship yeah look I suppose like everybody else um, you know playing summer football and um, having everybody involved in this time of the year is, is, is definitely um Refreshing and it's great to, great to see it. Um, and the usual challenges, I suppose, with the divisional side, um, has it been easy to get everyone together? Um, well, again, you look, I've got a record of saying before that the uh, you know club teams face different challenges to divisional challenges, but um, ours no different, no more difficult than the rest of the divisions, and um, you know. We've prepared as best we can and we're looking forward to, to choosing tonight. Uh, looking at Muscari, uh, what are your thoughts heading into the game? Uh, Muscari, like Calvary, um, you know, they're a strong football division. Um, but look, again, both both teams will have prepared probably the same. And um, that's probably what makes us um, more, you know, anxious and looking forward to the game. The fact that we're playing against the division side like ourselves. Um, has it been, uh, have, have you uh, a new turnover of players this year? Uh, in preparation, is there a, a blend between uh, old and youth, or uh, what were you shaping up? Well, the Calgary division, like um, you know, consists of twenty six clubs. Like so, we as a manager team, like we like to spread the net wide. Like, and we've seen a good few players. Like, and uh, you know, you, you get the opportunity with a season like this. You see a number of games over a condensed period of time, like which is an advantage to a divisional sector. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, like yeah, we've seen a good few players. Like, and um, a, a lot of guys that would maybe normally wouldn't have put their hand up have put their hand up to show like and um, you know it's, it's been refreshing Tim thanks very much for joining me and uh, best of luck Tuesday night thanks Ed.
All right, Carby boss Tim Buckley speaking ahead of that game on Tuesday to Aiden. Now, uh, the golf has uh, finished up and there is a new Open champion at Royal St. George's. Colin Marikawa has won the 149th Open Championship at Royal St. George's this afternoon. A great victory for him. And it's some going because um, in 2020, Colin Marikawa became the first, uh, played his first ever PGA Championship and won it. And in 2021, Colin Marikawa plays his first ever Open Championship and wins it as well. And he's just 24 years of age, which is a fantastic uh, achievement for him. And he now joins Tiger Woods as only the second golfer in history to win both the Open Championship and the PGA Championship before turning 25 years of age. So a big congratulations to uh, Colin Marikawa uh, on that great victory today um, at the Open. And I'm just looking at pictures of him celebrating here now as well. And he looks absolutely thrilled and delighted with himself. So uh, uh, a great debut performance and for him at the Open Championship and uh, a great, great victory there. He is the Open champion, the 149th Open today uh, for 2021 at Royal St. George's. So well done to Colin Marikawa. Now, uh, the Olympics. We've been waiting for quite a while for the Olympics. I remember sitting here uh, chatting about the Olympics about a year and a half ago when COVID was just kicking off and it was just kind of the start of the pandemic and there was all that uncertainty. Remember when everything got pretty much shut down in March 2020 and uh, we were kind of talking about the Olympics and we were saying uh, would the Olympics go ahead last summer of 2020 and we we're kind of going area should this whole this whole virus thing will pass fairly quickly so that there's no fear of the Olympics and then obviously it was ultimately postponed and uh, it's finally going ahead the 2020 Olympics now in 2021 just as Euro 2020 and the football went ahead this year in 2021 as well and uh, there is a huge uh, field of Irish athletes over in Tokyo now getting ready to compete as part of Team Ireland uh, it all gets underway this Friday with the opening ceremony on Friday evening uh, we're very much looking forward to it right now we're going to hear from some members of Team Ireland Corks Emma Hamill and Meg Ryan they're part of Team Ireland and they're heading to Tokyo Tokyo for the Olympics. Very, very exciting. And Ger McCarthy has been speaking to them. But the young gymnast. Okay, it's a real thrill uh, to have two people heading over to the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games very shortly. Both members of Douglas Gym Club. One is the coach, Emma Hamill, and our first guest of the evening is the person that's going to be competing in the women's all-round event on the 25th of July. And that is Douglas's Meg Ryan. Meg, you and Emma are very welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. It's great to be honest. Thanks. I know and I understand how busy and crazy the schedule is right now, but Meg, can I ask you, what does it feel like when somebody says you are heading to the Olympic Games? Has it sunk in yet and how much are you looking forward to it? Yeah, oh my God, it feels amazing. Um, I don't think it's fully sunk in yet. I might sink in a bit more when, when I'm out there, but um, it's great to be selected and I'm just so happy to get the confirmation. So I just can't wait to get out there now, I suppose. Um, you will be competing in the all women's all-around event. Can you explain exactly what that is? Yeah, so yeah, I'll be doing the all-around, which is the vault, bars, beam and floor. Um, and I'll be doing one routine on each piece. And then the score from each piece will be added together and that will make your all-around score. Um, that sounds about as complicated as I want to even think about it at the moment. Yeah, most people have one discipline. Does this mean, Meg, that you've got an awful lot of practice to do on those various um, elements that make up that event before you get there? Yeah, definitely. Like it would definitely be a time-consuming sport because I suppose you know with four different pieces of apparatus, it's almost like doing four different sports. So 
um, I would train a, a, a lot of hours. Like I would train five days a week and usually between like five and six hours um, most days. So it's five or six hours most days. What age were you when you started out uh, with gymnastics? Um, I was about five when I when I first started. My God, what were you doing at five, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I don't even remember. Like, I remember <laughs> being at home and doing, like, gymnastics, you know, just handstands and cartwheels and stuff at home. Um, and I suppose I was probably just put into it then just from that. And I know my sister was kind of doing it already. So um, I kind of just joined in and she kind of stopped, stopped soon after that. But I, I kind of just stuck with it, really. It's obviously something, uh, it's a huge part of your life and has been for so long, uh, starting at the age of five. You obviously enjoy it, but could you, you could never have envisaged heading to an Olympic Games. I mean, you've competed at other pretty important events, but this must be the biggest and the most special. Yeah, definitely. This is, you know, a huge achievement for me. And it's, I suppose it's the biggest competition for gymnastics and for many other sports as well. So um, it's a huge honour to be going to it, but I, I wouldn't have really you know, thought about it much when I was first starting out, like it was never my my dream when I when I went into gymnastics at five, you know, I just kind of enjoyed the sport and wanted to like have fun and I, I was always kind of enjoying myself and I just, I suppose I got better and better and then, you know, that kind of became the dream after a while. How important and happy are you to have your coach and somebody also from Douglas coming with you? Yeah, it's, it's really great. I think like, you know, many other competitions in the past, like I would have um, trained here in Douglas like the whole time and done all my preparations for the competitions and then for the international like when I went abroad you know I might have had a different coach and stuff so it's, it's really nice to have you know my own coach that I do all my preparations with kind of coming and you know I suppose for Emma to be acknowledged for like her part in, in my journey as well is, is really nice Excellent stuff. Emma, from your point of view, you're obviously incredibly proud of Meg's achievement in getting this far and you'll want her to keep that going when you do get to Tokyo. But from your own point of view, this is a terrific achievement as well as a coach to be heading on the plane to an Olympic Games. You must be over the moon. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're over the moon. I'm over the moon for her because she's just probably the hardest worker that anybody will see. Any of the coaches that have taken her away before, you know, like they've all commented on her worst ethic and everything that she puts into it and her concentration and everything like if she takes on board everything that you say all the time so for her um to finally you know like get recognized for her all her hard work is amazing and then um for me to be going to is just um kind of the icing on top um it's a huge amount of time and effort for an athlete even as young as meg but from a coaching point of view it's equally so if not more so you've got to do all the preparations i imagine um what how i mean you have an awful lot of planning to do i would imagine in the lead up to such a big event how has that gone and, and what what kind of hours do you have to clock up to make sure that meg is in top condition um yes yeah, so there's quite a lot of planning and um, we do get 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 a little bit of help from the institute as well so she has like um She's in contact with like physios and sports psychologists and stuff like that. So they and nutritionists and stuff. So they they do a lot of that side of things, and then I do the in inside the gym, the time inside the gym and stuff like that. Um, this year was a little bit harder because she was also in leaving her year, so she did have to juggle the two of them while she was waiting for the call up. So this year was probably the most challenging, but it's definitely paid off. She's quite good at like separating the two of them and just focusing on gym when she's in gym and school when she's in school. Um, so yeah, this, this this year was a bit of a challenge, but it, 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 we got there. <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned a challenge. What about COVID and the fact that there were so many restrictions? Was that extra difficult for you in terms of working one-on-one with her? Um, yeah, so like 
uh, I don't know, most people have, haven't been in Douglas before, but the gym is quite big and it's quite a busy gym and everybody trains with everybody and, you know, like, it's, it's quite nice to have everybody around, whereas uh, for COVID, our gym was closed for pretty much every single lockdown. So um, Meg had an exemption being an elite athlete or whatever, so she could train. But um, it's just quite different training by yourself. And, well, like, obviously I was there, but it was just the two of us all the time. So, you know, like, it's just nice to, you know, like, if you're not, if you're having a bad day, to have somebody else there next to you that, you know, like, to not talk about gymnastics, to talk about, I don't know, what's happening on Love Island or what's happening in your normal <laughs> life, you know, as opposed to as opposed to just be with your coach all the time and, and talk about gymnastics and stuff. So that was probably a bit, like something that we hadn't expected to try to work through um, but it was fine in the end we, we got there um, Can I just briefly ask you mentioned the Sports Ireland Institute but both they and Sports Ireland have been hugely influential in Meg's career how helpful have they been and how important are they to the gymnastics or to the future of gymnastics in Ireland? Yeah so the Institute um, the work with the gymnasts when they get to like a senior standard so in in women's gymnastics senior is um at the age of 16 and um, so when they're over the age of 16 they they kind of come in whereas gymnastics Ireland work with them throughout the whole way so gymnastics Ireland have created these pathways like through national squads and different national competitions to try to build these um these gymnasts up to to be able to compete internationally so both gymnasts that are going meg and Reese, who's going on the men's side, have both come through the, the gymnastics starting pathways this time um, to get there. And it's the first time that that's actually happened, that both gymnasts have, have come all the way up through them. So so it, it's definitely improving. You can see, like, the national competition before, there was, like, 40 people competing maybe in the, ho- in the whole of Ireland, whereas now, like, there's hundreds and hundreds of people competing. So it's definitely a growing sport in Ireland. And Meg, just on that, I mean, there's an awful lot of preparation, there's an awful lot of media attention, there's an awful lot going on, but what are you most looking forward to heading over on the plane to Tokyo? It's quite a journey, but when you get there, obviously it'll be all business once you get going. But what's the thing you're looking forward to the most? I think, I suppose it's just like the experience of it. Like I don't really, you know, I've never been to the Olympic Games before, so um, I don't really have much, have much expectations or I don't know what to expect. So um, just to kind of have that experience of going in Olympic Games and you know staying in the Olympic Village and you know it's not just gymnasts going it's, it's lots of other athletes from all different sports and then seeing obviously you know the likes of you know famous sports people like Simone Biles obviously for gymnastics and like, there's so many others then that you know I would have never come across before from different sports that um, would be going also so just kind of having that experience and obviously getting to compete and being a competitor in, in the Olympic Games is like a huge thing so um, I suppose, like I, you know, I'll be working to um, do the best routines I can do, and hopefully, you know, do clean routines. But um, just to kind of enjoy myself while I'm doing that as well, because it's, it's kind of a once in a lifetime experience for a lot of people, really. Oh my God, it absolutely is. And May, what has the reaction been like in Douglas? I mean, obviously the gymnastics club are absolutely delighted, but for for your family and your friends, it must be a lot of excitement, obviously, but a lot of well wishers too. Yeah, definitely. Everyone was really excited and everyone was really happy for me. Um, I think the day it was kind of officially announced, my phone was just like being flooded with messages <laughs> and congratulations and stuff. So I actually had to turn it off in the end. I yeah. have to kind of separate myself for, from my phone for a while, but everyone's been really supportive and really happy for me. And, you know, the gym has been great as well. They've, you know, given me a huge congratulations and, um, like, balloons and everything. So I think everyone's just happy and excited for me. 
Well, listen, just on behalf of all the Big Red Bench Corks Red FM listeners and the podcast listeners, we wish both you and Emma all the success and all. I hope everything goes well for you over there. It's a huge and a fantastic opportunity. We know you're going to do your country in Douglas Gymnastics Clubs gymnastics club proud so listen all the best and look we hopefully will catch up with you when you get back thank you so much thanks very much that is uh, Ger McCarthy speaking to Emma Hamill and Meg Ryan, part of Team Ireland's and over in Tokyo for the Olympics, which gets underway next weekend. Now, we're going to continue our Olympics preview on this show and we're going to hear from another athlete who's going to be competing for Ireland at the Olympics. That is Oliver Dingley, who Valerie was chatting to recently. And Oliver Dingley became the first Irish diver to compete in an Olympics since 1948 in Rio five years ago. Uh, he's originally from the UK, North York. Yorkshire and he qualifies for Ireland via his Cork grandmother uh, so always good to have each other Cork grandmother isn't it and in Rio in 2016 he became the first Olympic diver since 1948 as we said and he made a final there where he finished an excellent 8th place he was a European finalist in 2016 18 and 19 and uh, Valerie caught up with Oliver recently to see how his preparations are going ahead of the Olympics Oliver welcome to the show oh, thank you for having me how have you been keeping Oh, I've been very well, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's been a, a difficult and uh, a, a strange period, if anything, but one that I've kind of kept going, kept very motivated and just looking forward to kind of going one week at a time. Good. You you were great because you've really put a positive spin on the Olympics being on hold, which is, it's not an easy thing to do for an athlete. Ah, I mean, it's, it's the same for everyone. Everyone's kind of been thrown into the, into the same boat and been dealt the same cards. So really... If one thing we've become accustomed to this whole year is kind of waiting and changing and adapting to everything around us. So really, it's just felt like an extension on onto that. And it so happens that, you know, I get to dive throughout that all as well. So I have a bit of normality in my life. If anything, it's been, it's been a great help. I must compliment you on your setup. I mean, you know, you're in in this uh, radio business. The microphone, the headphones, the quality of the interview. This is you. This is your down to your course, of course. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a student at TU Dublin, and I actually specialise in radio. And I managed to at the start of lockdown nab a few uh, good good pieces of equipment, some good mics. So uh, yeah, and I'm yeah pretty jammy when it comes to having all the good equipment. How are you? How did you find the course? Oh, it's great. Thank you. It's a nice balance. I, I found since going to college, my diving's actually got better as well. Uh, I started college in September 2017. Now, when, when I was 18 and I left secondary school, I never had any intention of ever going back to any form of uh, education. Uh, but I found myself kind of missing something in 2017. And that was kind of just, you know, being around people in the classroom setting and speaking to people who were kind of had similar interests. So I enrolled in college and started something I never thought I'd actually ever do. And I absolutely love it. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, the class is great. The lectures are great. And the course as well. I've learned so much through it. And it's yeah, really, really good fun. And it balances the diving quite nicely. And is radio something you'd like to get into? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to get into producing. That'd be fantastic. Oh. Would, would be great. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm cut out for, for being a presenter. Uh, it's uh, a lovely radio voice. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I would love to. Uh, currently, I'm making up a few radio documentaries for my final year at college as well. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And it, you know, it's kept me uh, entertained and take my mind off the dive, and especially as the, the Olympic trials come. 
Yeah, no, and I've just always wondered before and to let everyone here in Cork's Red FM know a bit more about you. Can you tell us maybe, like, I've always wondered how you were introduced to diving. It's not exactly something that everyone, <laughs> you know, is put in front of them. But tell us maybe how it first came about for you. No, it's one of those obscure spots that only really pop up every four years, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I uh, was actually just a wild child growing up. I used to lodge myself off anything. So that diving was the, the natural progression, I guess. Uh, now, I was actually grounded at the time. I must have done something wrong. And, uh, and I had to go watch my brother's swimming lesson. And luckily, my dad was just as bored as me watching it. And the diving pool was open. So we went for a dive. Uh, it was open to the general public. The lifeguard said that I, he thought that he that it looked like I, I had a great time. I had a I was having a fantastic time, and so I started for my seventh birthday. And uh, it was a sport that I just yeah instantly clicked with. Always into all my all my sports. But diving was the one. Kind of about five o'clock each day, I'd go to like this bubble where I found myself excelling. And uh, yeah, it, it was great. And 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 it's uh, it's been a big part of my life ever since 21 years now in the, in the sport so I'm yeah feeling my age but uh yeah no, it's it's a great it's a great sport and I mean the demands with and the skills with diving off the board you know it's not exactly you're not doing a belly flop into it like the rest of us <laughs> you are actually yeah <laughs> for years you've built up this amazing skill now to nail it every time which is you know it's absolutely outstanding yeah well half the time I feel like I'm just throwing and holding on for my life and, uh, and then go through the water, hopefully with no splash. Uh, but no, it's, it's a great sport. It's one of those sports that's it's a real good spectacle, I think. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of ballet slash gymnastics in the air. It's got that daredevil factor about it. If it goes wrong, you know, it's a nightmare for us, but it's hilarious for everyone else. Our biggest fear is ending up on a YouTube blooper tape for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, but it also it's just such an amazing sport to watch, and it does capture people's imagination when they do watch it. And you know, I'm very lucky that I've been a part of that now for yeah, 20 years. Who did you first watch? Maybe that you were like, oh my god, that could be me. Who do you remember watching? Maybe in the Olympics or down through the years when you were younger. Oh, see, my first real sport in the memory was actually uh, of 2002 Football World Cup, so not an Olympic one, but uh, 2002 World Cup. Now, there's a guy called Andy O'Brien who represented Ireland at those World Cup, at that World Cup, sorry. And he was actually from the t same town as me in the UK where I grew up. And he went to the same secondary school as well. So uh, I was a big fan of his and watching him at the World Cup was kind of my very first ever, you know, wow moment. I actually got to meet him once as well. He wouldn't have a clue who I am. But to me, he was, you know, absolutely amazing. Uh, but my first kind of Olympic memory would have been Athens. Uh, 2004 and you know those divers you know back when you're, you're young and you're looking up to people uh, you know they, they, they look fantastic and I eventually found myself competing against some of them and even in Rio 2016 I got to compete against some of those people who I watched in Athens 2004 so Amazing. yeah absolutely great to then get to dive against kind of my idols and you know not just dive against them but also do pretty well against them as well. That is Oliver Dingley speaking to Valerie and he will be competing for Ireland at the 2020 Olympics now, even though it's 2021. Um, and that, of course, gets underway this coming weekend with the opening ceremony of the Olympics on Friday night. That is us pretty much out of time on a busy, beautiful, gorgeous, sunny Sunday of sport when Limerick have been crowned the Munster Hurling Champions, beating Tipperary down in Porky Cueve earlier on today. And Colin Marikawa has been crowned the Open Champion in the golf as well. 
well just in the past uh, 20 minutes or so so uh, well done to him as well that is me out of time for this evening get out there enjoy the sunshine have a lovely Sunday evening and stand by for Connor on the way with Green and Red The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM